When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Happy Labor Day. Our staff has off of work today, so we're all enjoying a three-day weekend with our family and friends. I just feel like every Labor Day, I am bombarded by ads and commercials for sales and discounts, but I am not a shopper. Uh, I have a really hard time pulling the trigger on something unless I know I'll use it and really love it, especially when it comes to sewing supplies. I rely on other quilters to share their favorites because then you know it's been tested and put to work in a real quilter's sewing space. Quilting can be an expensive hobby, so I usually don't buy new products unless it'll change my sewing life. So for this episode, I asked my coworkers to share the thing they're obsessed with right now. So these products may not necessarily be the newest or hottest items on the market, but many of them were new to me types of things uh, that I can't wait to check out more. So I hope you find some recommended tools that you may want to add to your space. So let's hear what my coworkers are obsessed with. Hi, I'm Elizabeth with American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. And the product that I am currently obsessing over is a portable sewing table from the brand So Easy. And that's one word and easy is spelled E-Z-I. We gifted my mom a sew easy table a couple of years ago, and it has been her go-to sewing table ever since. She loves it for quilt retreats because it's sturdy, but also extremely portable. The legs collapse and the entire table fits inside of a carrying case with a handle. And it also has wheels to make transporting it even easier. My mother also uses this table all of the time at home because she can set it up in different rooms of the house depending on where she wants to spend time sewing. Now, I had never sewn on a sew easy table until recently when I had the opportunity to spend a couple of weekends quilting together at my parents' house. I love how compact the table is, but it is also so sturdy. I often sew on folding tables when I'm at quilt retreats, and when I really start sewing fast, the tables always shake, which is so annoying. But the Sew Easy table didn't wobble at all. It really felt super sturdy the entire time I was sewing on it. I also loved that her featherweight machine sat down in the bed of the table, so it was at the perfect height, and I didn't experience any neck or shoulder fatigue at all those weekends I was sewing with her. Now, the company also makes acrylic sewing machine inserts to perfectly fit your sewing machine model. So you can really create a flatbed surface to sew on. And I really enjoyed that feature as well. I fell in love with this table so much, and I am definitely adding it to my wish list. It would be a great table to take on quilting retreats, but 
I also think I would use it in my home quite frequently. And when it's not in use, it would store easily in my closet without taking up a lot of space. If you are in the market for a new sewing table, especially if you are someone who has limited space in your home or you just enjoy going on quilt retreats, I highly recommend the Sew Easy table. This is Doris, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. I recently picked up a UFO with a lot of hand applique to be done on it. I use silk thread for my hand applique, which is very fine thread. As I've gotten older, I find myself needing more magnification when hand sewing, but especially with the finer threads and small needle eyes involved with hand applique. So I went in search of a good needle threader and found one that is so awesome, I don't know how I ever sewed without it. I bought the Dritz LED needle threader. It's a small palm-held gadget made of green plastic with a slide button that extends and retracts the wire threader that goes through the needle eye and a small LED light that comes on when you extend it as long as you have a battery installed. And there's also a thread cutter on the side and an added bonus that it was designed with a hole on the end for a lanyard, which is perfect for a stitching session in your comfy chair. I picked mine up at Joanne for a little over $7. I'm sure you could find it at your local quilt shop as well. It has four out of five stars on Amazon, and there are online reviews about it not being very sturdy or the wire pulling out after a few uses. But I suspect that happened because it was being used with a needle that wasn't the right size for the thread being used or vice versa. Using the correct needle and thread combination is always important whether using a gadget or not. You'll be much happier with the quality of your work if you follow basic guidelines for thread and needle size. I haven't tried my needle threader with a heavier thread such as pearl cotton, but when I do, I'll make sure I use the needle size required to play nice with it. For me, with my fine silk applique thread, this gadget was a game changer. The light is small, but just mighty enough to help my eyes focus and quickly thread several needles in different colors and saved me so much frustration with the end of my thread fraying when I have to try and again and again to get the needle threaded. I'm Allison, the designer of Quilts and More magazine. I think all quilters can relate when I say there's no such thing as having too many scissors. We probably have more than we'll ever use. I know I've bought some just because they were cute or colorful, not necessarily that they performed a function that other scissors didn't. We also all probably have our favorites that we use over and over again. My go-to pair of scissors for trimming threads are Ginger 4-inch featherweight thread snips. They're great for cutting small threads or trimming close to a project. Since they're small in size, they're easy to tuck into any project bag or purse. The great thing about them is that they have a protective cap that fits snugly over the blades. There's no worry about the cap falling off. Included on the cap is a plastic loop so you could hang them from a lanyard or even tie a distinct ribbon around them so you don't lose them at a retreat. Another great feature of the snips is the spring action cutting. When the protective cap is removed, the blades spring open. Instead of having to manually open and close the blades each time you cut, like traditional scissors, you only need to exert force when closing the blades. This spring action can help reduce hand fatigue if you're doing a lot of trimming or it can come in handy for those who have arthritis. 
Another great thing about these snips is that they can be used for a ton of different purposes. After reading reviews online, I discovered that people have actually used them for cutting fly fishing line, removing clothing tags, knitting, and more. It probably goes without saying, experiment at your own risk. I'll probably stick to cutting threads with my pair of ginger snips, but it is pretty tempting to get a second pair just to have around. They cost between 20 and 30 US dollars, so a little bit pricier than other small scissors, but the quality of the blades is incredible. You'll definitely get your money's worth out of these tiny but mighty snips. Hi, I'm Beth and I'm sharing my current quilty obsession. I have been using a Rowenta Perfect Pro Steam Station iron for a while now and I love it. It has a huge tank for water so I can fill that up and iron for hours without running out. The entire tank is removable so I can take that right to my sink and it's not attached to the iron so I don't get my iron wet when I'm doing that. It produces so much steam which is awesome when I'm ironing pre-cuts it really gets all the wrinkles out. And it gets really hot which is great for pressing without steam as well. I haven't had any issues with spitting or leaking either which is so nice. It does take up a lot of space but it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make for the amazing pressing I'm getting. I think my blocks have been so much more accurate since I got this iron and I feel like I can get my seams really flat. It's a pricey iron, but I feel like investing in quality tools that can help me achieve better results is worth it. Hey, it's Lindsay again. So the thing I'm obsessed with now is the Olfa 28 millimeter rotary cutter. So for most of my sewing career, I have used the standard 45 millimeter rotary cutter, uh, but I recently bought a smaller size and I cannot believe how much I use it. So this smaller size offers an extra level of control when I'm cutting smaller pieces, using smaller rulers, or even trimming units. So for example, I have been cutting a lot of small pieces recently, some as small as one inch square, and I've scaled my rulers down. So I'm using these small rulers and a 45 millimeter rotary, rotary cutter just starts to feel so big when I'm using smaller rulers and cutting those small pieces. So that 28 millimeter rotary cutter just feels right in my hand when I'm cutting small things. And I love that I can actually see what I'm cutting a lot better. Um, sometimes those larger rotary cutters can get in the way when you're cutting small pieces. Another thing I really love about the smaller rotary cutter is when I'm trimming triangle squares, uh, I use a specialty ruler to help me do that. And the ruler has these little slots in the sides that allow you to trim off the dog ears of the triangle squares. And my 45 millimeter rotary cutter was too big to get in those slots to cut the dog ears off. Uh, but the 28 millimeter one fits perfectly and it just makes the whole experience so much easier. And I love being able to switch back and forth between my, my different rotary cutter sizes as I need them. Um, overall, I just, I'm feeling like I have a lot more control and precision when I'm cutting because I can choose the right size cutter for the job. So we will link to all the tools mentioned today in the show notes in case you want to check them out more. And we'd love to know what our listeners are obsessed with. So please email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com to share. 
We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing details on a new quilt along and we hear what a staff member is working on. Welcome back. I wanted to quickly share about a new quilt along we're hosting. So we had this idea for doing a scrappy September where we challenge our readers and listeners to use their scraps. And the pattern we chose for the quilt along is called Scrap Happy by Krista Watson. And this pattern originally appeared in the October 2017 issue of American Patchwork and Quilting. And over the years, we've just heard from so many people that they'd been saving this pattern to make someday, that it was on their, you know, must make list at some point. So we decided to host a quilt along for that pattern to give people the motivation to dive into the project. We also have the pattern available as a PDF if you don't have that magazine in your collection. So the pattern uses only two and a half inch squares to achieve an interesting block that repeats across the quilt. And I love that this quilt uses two and a half inch squares um, because that way you can cut up jelly rolls. You can use mini charm squares, especially if you don't have enough scraps saved up. And because it's just one size square you need, it makes the cutting process so easy. Like I don't have to think when I'm doing it. I just know two and a half inch squares. So then the fabrics are separated by light and dark. So you really get to play with contrast and use any and all fabrics. There are no colors or style of fabric that need to be left out. Um, although if you like your quilts to be more controlled by color, this quilt pattern works great for that too. So the quilt along officially started last week, um, but week one was for gathering and cutting fabric. So if you join in soon, you won't be behind at all. We're offering tips and tricks throughout the quilt along to help make it easy. Um, and we also have a private Facebook group for those who want to join in. You can ask questions. You can share pictures of your progress. Um, it's already been so much fun to see everyone's fabrics that they've chosen. Um, I can just tell you so many scraps are going to be used in this quilt along, like thousands and thousands. And it's so fun to see. And I'm joining in too, because one of my goals for this year was to finally use up all of my two and a half inch squares that I have been hoarding over the years. So the quilt along is eight weeks long. Um, so we'll be done by the end of October, kind of before the busy holiday season starts. So I hope you join in, uh, especially if you've never made a scrappy quilt before. It's such an easy pattern to start with, and we will have lots of resources for everyone. So we will link to all the info in the show notes if you want to join in. And now I'm handing the mic over to Beth for what's on your workspace. So take it away, Beth. Hi, I'm Beth, and I wanted to share what I've been working on lately. So I just finished a table runner I made for a charity auction to benefit United Way. It's for the Iowa State University Foundation, so of course I had to make the table runner cardinal and gold, which are the university's colors. I found the perfect pattern for free on the All People Quilt website. It's the Mix It Up Table Runner. This particular table runner has a sashing design that looks like it forms a capital letter I, which is just perfect for the I in Iowa State. 
I had a little bit of licensed Iowa State themed fabric that I had used previously for making masks. So I used that for the block centers and some strips along the edges. And then I mixed in reds and yellows to fill out the rest of the design. So once I went to finish it, I did some echo quilting on the eye design to make that stand out and then added some stitch in the ditch and a few diagonal lines for the rest of the quilting. I wanted to keep it relatively simple and not too crazy time consuming. This was a stash busting project as I was able to pull everything together from what I already had on hand, including batting and thread. It was so fun finding the perfect pattern on our website and then grabbing everything from my sewing room to get started. I can't wait to see how much money it ends up raising. The other project I worked on recently was making sandwich wraps and snack bags as part of our Sew Green program. Both of these are really quick and easy to make and I've been using them a lot already. I love the sandwich wrap because it not only holds your sandwich, but it also doubles as an eating surface once unwrapped. I took them with us on a recent road trip and it was perfect for using on a picnic table at a rest area. You never know how clean those are, so it was nice having a surface to eat on as well as put additional snacks on there too. The snack bags are perfect for veggies and dry snacks, and I even used one to store a wet swimsuit when we were packing up and leaving our hotel. Both of the projects can help reduce disposable baggy waste, which I love. And they're adorable too. I especially like using food-themed prints for these. You can find the free patterns for both of these at allpeoplequilt.com slash sewgreen. Thanks, Beth. We have to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing some listener tips and info on barn quilt trails. Welcome back. It's now time for listener tips, where we share the genius ideas submitted to us by our listeners. And I know I say this often, but our listeners are so smart and creative. Uh, every time I hear one of your tips, I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of this? It's so amazing. <laughs> so this first tip is from Akila Troffer. I hope I'm saying your name right. She says, I want to share how I roll my binding after cutting it. I normally prep my binding early in the process and place it by my sewing machine. Also, I don't fold and iron the binding before sewing. I just fold as I sew, so I'm not sure if this tip will work if you fold. I found a battery-powered device that rolls bandages. It works perfectly on binding. It looks and works like a power screwdriver. You can Google bandage roller. It's amazingly fast with rolling. There are also hand crank versions. I love mine. Love it. Rolling binding can be a tedious and kind of messy step. And this makes it sound so easy. Great tip. So these next two tips are from Shelly Bayer. She says, I heard your t-shirt quilt podcast today. It was very timely as I'm currently making my first shirt quilt. One tip I got that's working well for me is I covered my ironing board with freezer paper. I put shiny side down and pressed it to adhere it. This has protected my ironing board from any of the logos or stray fusible stabilizers sticking to my board. I had to change it once during the process of stabilizing all the shirts. And her second tip, I'm listening to episode 558 now and you're talking about strip piecing. When I'm working with long strips, this helps me keep them straight when I'm pressing. You can really press a strip set crooked if you're not careful. I have a 48-inch metal ruler from a hardware store. 
I lay the strip set against the ruler on my ironing board and can keep the edge of the strip set straight against the ruler when I'm pressing. It's metal, so it doesn't matter if I hit the ruler with the iron. Both of these are such great tips. Uh, I love when our listeners share their knowledge after hearing our episodes. And this next tip is from Christine Larson. She says, my tip came about because I had hand-pieced a quilt that had hundreds of Y seams. And as I was doing the final pressing before sending it out to my long-arm quilter, I could not get the seams to lay flat. I had an aha moment when I remembered how my mother had ironed 100% cotton clothing in the 1960s. She sprinkled the clothes with tap water using a plastic bottle with holes in the top. She then rolled up each item and put them in a plastic bag. I did the same thing with my quilt. I sprinkled it, put it in a plastic bag overnight, and the next morning used a dry iron on it. Sure enough, all the seams lay flat. I took it to my long arm quilter, and when I picked it up after it was quilted, she told me that it was easy to quilt because it had been nice and flat. That's so amazing, Christine. I have never heard of this hack before, but it sounds like your mother's trick came in so handy to get flat seams in your quilt. And this last tip is from Morgan Henderson. She says, after listening to your Hit the Road segment in episode 559, I wanted to share a super resource that I use all the time when I'm traveling. The website quiltinghub.com plans your quilty road trip for you and is so easy. You put on your starting location and your destination, and it lists pins with all of the quilt shops along that specific route. Well, that is just amazing to know. What a great resource. Um, and we'll link to that website in the show notes so our listeners can try it out. Now, speaking of traveling, it's time for another Hit the Road segment, where we feature a variety of tips for incorporating quilting into your travels throughout the year. And today, I want to talk about barn quilt trails. So fall is in the air, and there's really nothing I love more in fall than taking a drive on the back roads to see fall colors and beautiful nature. But those back roads also hold barn quilt trails, which is just such a delight to see. For those who don't know much about barn quilts, here's a little history. The concept of a barn quilt uh, began with Donna Sue Groves in 2001. So to honor her mother and her Appalachian heritage, she hung a painted quilt on her barn in Adams County, Ohio. So Donna Sue shared this idea with friends, and the idea has spread throughout the United States and Canada. Uh, but instead of the full painted quilts, it is a smaller scale, and it's just a quilt block. So traditionally, a barn quilt is a large piece of wood painted with solid colors to look like a quilt block. So usually they're geometric designs, but some people do applique designs. And many times the quilt block is a classic or well-known block to kind of give a nod to the history of quilting or kind of that Americana art. Um, but in some cases, the creator will make a barn quilt that's a little out of the box or more modern. 
And then these wooden paintings are hung on the outside of a barn or any other outdoor structure so that those driving on the roads can easily see the design. So in some cases, a group like a quilt guild, tourism department, a 4-H club, or another community organization will um, kind of plan a group of barn quilts to be displayed in their community, and they call it a barn quilt trail. Then they encourage people to visit their area and drive around to see all the barn quilts. And it kind of becomes the source of local pride in the community. So there are thousands of barn quilt trails. Um, some are in smaller towns. Um, sometimes the, the quilts may connect with others. The trail may connect with others and it might go across an entire state. Um, but barn quilt trails are fun to explore and they usually get you off the beaten path so you can explore an area you may not have been to before. So whether you want to find one nearby or are looking for one to visit you know, on a vacation, we have a great resource on our website that lists the most well-known trails in each state. Uh, there are hundreds and hundreds listed. Visiting a barn quilt trail is a fun day trip activity. So you can take along your sewing friends or can even be a fun activity to do with a significant other or children, uh, especially if that day includes other fun activities along the way. So you could pack a picnic lunch or make a plan to visit a local restaurant. Turn the barn quilts into a game even so you can see how many different blocks you can find. Or stop to take a picture or make a small sketch of each you see. Uh, that would also be a really fun activity for children too. You could jot down inspiration such as color palettes or quilt block designs. And of course, enjoy the drive and the scenery. So that's it for today's show. Uh, as always, I want to remind you to let your friends know about our podcast and even leave a rating or review. It really helps us grow our podcast and form just a great big community of quilters. And I wanted to read a re review before we leave today. And this one is from Linda So Special. She says, your podcast is wonderful. It's been a year since I started listening to all the tips and tricks. I am a new quilter and just finished my third quilt. I love listening when I'm getting ready for work. I usually have a pad of paper and pencil ready to go to jot down great ideas. Thank you so much, Linda. Uh, congrats on starting your quilting journey. We are so happy to have you as a listener. So if this review is yours, please email me at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That's listed in the show notes so that I can send you a little thank you gift. Everyone have a great week.